Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to hear your word. God, we thank you for the things that you have said to us, Lord, the things you have done for us, God, and the ways that you continue to teach us. Lord, I pray that right now, God, that we'll open our hearts to what you have to say. God, that uh, everything that comes from this, Lord, will be things of you, God. Lord, and the things uh, that are of me will be pushed out of the way, God. Lord, I pray this is a time where we can just come and focus on you. God, and just see the grace that you've given us, Lord, and the, and the power that you have, God, that allows us to live in such a way that honors you, God. Help us to see the things that we can do, Lord, how, can, how we can become the people you've created us to be, Lord, and help us to treasure you for who you are. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and just jump right in. In John chapter 4, the past couple of weeks, Pastor Matt's been going through the woman at the well and just how magnificent of a time that was because Jews hated Samaritans. And so Jesus, supposed to be the Messiah from the Jews, goes and opens up the eyes of this Samaritan woman. So much so that her whole village begins to follow Jesus and recognize him as the Messiah. When we look back on that, one of the things we think about is, is what miracles and what signs were performed for this woman. And there weren't any. She took the word of Christ, what, what he had told her about him being the Messiah, and she believed that, and it impacted her life so much, she shared it with others. Pastor Matt talked about that last week. The things that we love, we talk about to other people. And so that's what she had done. So we see here... Not everybody needed these signs and these wonders. And so again, it's an indictment because previously Jesus has talked about how in John 1.11, he said, it says he went to his own and his own did not receive him. So what he's wanting to do is he's wanting to get his people, the Messiah people, to see that he is the Messiah. And to see that as the Messiah, he's not just for the Jewish people. Right? He is for everybody. We see more about that today uh, from what Ben read about the royal official. So what we see is that Jesus as the Messiah is for everyone. The people that we don't like, the people that are in political positions and everything. And so at the end of that story with the woman at the well, he stays there for two days to talk to people about salvation. So in verse 43, this is where we pick up. After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. So now Jesus is leaving for Galilee, coming off this wildly successful time, right? Like Jesus' reason for coming to earth was to bring salvation to people. And so he's now leaving Samaria where he was, and that has just happened. And so he's going back to his own people. But here's something, there's something in those verses that I think if we don't slow down and look at that we'll miss. And this is one of the things I love about, about studying the Bible is God continues to just new things kind of catch, catch my attention. And so I think the verses that we just read, we can kind of easily skip past. But it says in verse 44, look at that, it says, Jesus himself pointed out that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Now, Galilee is his own country. Galilee is where he grew up in Nazareth. Okay? So basically what's happening is Jesus is now going back to his, to his earthly homeland to see everybody. So how does it go from 
A prophet has no honor in his own country to when he arrives there, people are welcoming him. Like that, that alone should, should click something in our minds that, okay, that seems kind of weird. If you're going from one verse saying that nobody's going to honor him, the next verse is saying everybody's welcoming him. And what we see as we go through this is that John's essentially being sarcastic when he says that they welcomed him. Because, or he's being ironic, because when they welcome him, it's not in a way that honors him as the Messiah. It's not in a way that honors him as the Messiah. The focus was on the miracles that he had done and the signs that he had performed. In verse 45, it says, They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem and the Passover festival, for they also had been there. And so as we've read, like what happened in those times were miracles, signs happened, right? Like Jesus did amazing things. And so that is what people wanted to see. The people in his hometown did not welcome him as the town Messiah, as the woman in Samaria did. They welcomed him like, hey, this is the guy who's from our hometown who can do cool tricks. That's how they viewed Jesus. He can make things happen. He can turn water into wine. That's pretty cool. So let's welcome him back in. So in reality, they're not honoring him at all. They're not honoring him at all. And so that's what we're getting at here when it says he has no honor in his own country. And so 10 miles north of Nazareth is Cana, and that's where we are with this. It's also where his first miracle happened of turning the water into wine. And so this is Jesus' homeland, and he's going back there knowing that people don't fully understand who he is. And he's trying to change that. Based on everything that he's done, he's trying to help the Jewish people to wake up and see, like, look, guys, look, this is everything that has been happening. It's been for your salvation. And and basically their response is just do more cool stuff. Show me some more neat tricks that I can go and tell everybody, like, hey, the guy from my hometown is pretty cool because he can do tricks. I'm not worried about him being the savior of the world. I just want to see him turn water into wine or do something fun. So Jesus comes to them knowing that. And it's very similar a lot of times to how we view our faith. We want our circumstances to be the best. We want to follow Jesus to get something out of that. The same thing, they wanted to see cool tricks, they wanted to see something new happen. A lot of times for us, even those of us who sit in the church on Sunday morning, our main goal that we want from Jesus is better circumstances. Something to kind of take up our time. And so Jesus, understanding this, let's look in verse 46. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when it says royal official, the Greek for that means he works for the king. This is a guy who works for the king. The king was very, the king is the same one who had John the Baptist killed. Right? So this is not a guy who's a fan of Jesus, but this is who the royal official works for. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And Jesus' response is a little, is, there's, there's pushback in his response. Because he says in verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. And so he's basically pushing back, saying, listen, you guys are looking for signs. You're looking for miracles. You're looking for, for these things, but you're not, the belief that you have is not true belief. If our belief in Jesus comes strictly from our circumstances or that's just from what he can do for us in a material way, that's not real belief. 
that's not true faith that we have. And so that's what Jesus is calling them out. He's talking about the whole region. He's not just speaking to this one man. He's speaking to the whole region. All of you are this way. All of you are this way. Unless you see signs and wonders, you'll never believe. Because their belief was, again, just in the things that he could do. Their belief was not in, hey, I'm a sinner that is in need of salvation. I need someone to rescue me from the sin that has entangled me. And this Jesus is the Messiah. That's not the belief they have. They were basically using him. We get to this point. The official comes. And when he comes and when he asks Jesus, he says, come and heal my son. We understand that. Like, that's a reasonable request, right? I have two kids. If they were close to death, I would want to do whatever it took, whatever I needed to do for them to be healed. And so one of the things we run into in this is for a lot of us, this is where a lot of non-believers have an opportunity to turn to God. Because sometimes in life, if you've ever been in that moment where you realize that you've got no hope, you can't do anything else. You are desperate. Your life is just full of despair. And so you have people who are non-believers will say, listen, I can't do anything else. I will spend time, I will pray to God and ask for his help on the off chance that he can actually do something about it. Because this royal official that comes, he was not someone who was coming to Jesus because he loved Jesus. He was coming to use him to heal his son. And so when we were talking, Darren was talking about the go where you are that we've been working through. And with an emphasis this month on talking to people about faith. Because see, the reality is for a lot of people who are not believers, until something shakes their world, they don't really see a need for Jesus. They don't really see that need. But here's the great thing, right? So if we're talking to people about Jesus now, and they for some reason, that's just, they're just not... They don't really see their need for that. They don't really see for why they should follow Jesus. But in a moment of desperation, they're going to come to you. They're going to come to you because you've talked about this before. And now all of a sudden when they, there's something that they understand that is beyond their control. They're looking for something, for anything. And if you have spent time talking to them about Jesus and telling them about the love that Christ has and that he never leaves us or forsakes us, then that's going to get someone's attention. Now, right now, uh, until our buddy free pastor comes in mid-July, myself and Kendall Habegger are uh, doing Bible study for youth on Tuesday nights for the high school students. And so this past Tuesday, I decided basically to preach this sermon to the, to the high school kids. One, I just wanted some feedback, and two, I was like missing one thing. I was like, the kids will help me get there. And so in talking about this and bringing this up, one of our students, she said, you know, she said, I, I talked to people, I talked to my friends about Jesus. And she said, none of them really want to take that step. But a couple of them who have had grandparents or aunts and uncles pass away are coming to her to try and understand why. So what I'm saying with all this is it gives us an amazing opportunity to be able to share our faith and to be able to share what Christ has done for us, to be able to share his grace and his mercy. And that's what it is, right? Like when we think about this idea of, of speaking to people about our faith, it's not that everything happens right away, but we want to set up an opportunity where people know they can come back to us. 
And that is what's happening with this. And that's what, and I, I loved hearing that. This is uh, one of our students, she's a senior in high school, and I understand that she's speaking to people in such a way where when something is wrong, when something is off in somebody's world, that they're coming to her trying to seek explanation for that. And that's a wonderful thing. <clears throat> um, so what's going to happen is everybody at some point in their life is going to have um, an experience like the royal official. Every one of us, if you haven't already, that time's coming in your life where it just feels like everything's desperate. You, have, you literally, you've tried everything, you've got nowhere else to go, and then you want to come to Jesus. And so what happens, Jesus' response, again, it seems a little bit harsh unless you see signs and wonders. But I think what's happening here is that Jesus is testing this man. Because what does he say? The man says, come down and heal my son. And when Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official, let's look at verse 49, he doesn't, he doesn't even address Jesus' comment. He's in such desperation. He's like, Jesus, I don't have time to get into semantics with you. I need you to come down and heal my son because he is about to die. I'm not going to spend time arguing with you when my son is close to death. The royal official says, verse 49, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Let's think about this. The man obeys. He's, there's nothing beforehand in his life that he's had this great long relationship with Jesus. He came to Jesus simply because he had a need. And so Jesus takes care of it. And the test here is that everybody in this area has wanted to see signs. They've wanted to see wonders. They want to see miracles. And so Jesus is testing this man. Is that what you want? Did you just want me to come down and to see me perform another miracle? And bring your son and heal him? So Jesus says, go. So that right there will test the man's faith. Now the amazing thing is that he, he goes. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. The man took Jesus at his word and went back and continued living his life. Now my question for us today is how many of us take Jesus at his word and then go and do what he's called us to? How many of us take Jesus at his word? Or how many of us want to sit and know I've got to go over every single thing. I've got to make sure everything's lined up exactly the way that it needs to be. And then at that point, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do what, what Jesus tells me to do. Or simply because of what he has called us to do, we go and do that. There, there are so many times that we have this, we have this idea like, I, I, just, I need to know what God's will is for my life. I need to what, know what God's saying to me. God has already spoken to you and to me. Everything that you will need to hear is in here. Now the reality is, if I told you, hey, Jesus wants to come have coffee with you, but you got to be up at 5 a.m. to have coffee. How many of you would get up at 5 a.m. to have coffee with Jesus? Right? Because we want to hear from him. Thank you, Jordan. I love your enthusiasm. Now how many of us would do the same thing to hear from Jesus? How many of us would wake up early to have our coffee and sit and spend time when God's word has already been given to us? We're, looking, we're trying to make this such a big deal as though every one of us is supposed to be a, a long-term missionary to a third world country. That's not the case for everybody. 
That's not the case for the majority of us. What does it say the man did? The man didn't all of a sudden go and like become a preacher somewhere. He believed what Jesus told him, and then he went back to continuing his life. Because that's the reality. That's where most of us are. Most of us, the things that we're given, the gift that God has given us, he wants us to take him at his word and go live in such a way that it honors him. Go live in such a way that honors him. Not that we're worried about our circumstances. That's one of the biggest ways as believers that we honor Jesus is when our circumstances are not what we want them to be, but there is still joy in our lives. And think about hearts. And so I want us to think about that. Think about the times in your life when you've been in your greatest despair, when things have seemed desperate. Are you still able to say that I have joy in Jesus Christ regardless of my circumstances? Or do we go to this point where, you know what, life's just miserable. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got, I got nothing. Because in reality, that shows the type of faith that we have. If we have a faith that honors Jesus, it's not, hey, yay, something bad is happening. I'm, it, that doesn't mean that we get excited about that, but we understand that everything is happening through God's design and for a reason, and we don't understand that. That's, that's the tricky thing. When I was, we were talking to our, the high school students the other day, and so she said that one of her friends said, why does God let some people get healed and not other people? And she said, and I said, well, what did you tell your friend? She said, I told her, I don't know. And I said, that's right, you don't. I don't either. I'm not God. You're not God. We don't know why some people are healed, why others aren't. We do know that God has a plan and a design for that. Romans 8, 28 says, all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We just all things work together for good. And so if we look at this, if we just see just what happened with the royal official, he believed Jesus, he took him at his word, and then he departed. And we read later what happened. His whole household believed. Now here's the reality. If this man's son never gets sick, his whole household does not ever come to faith in Jesus. We see these things and we, we look at things that are hard in our lives and we see them as interruptions and there's problems instead of trying to see what God is trying to teach us through that. Now, I, I, I know that I've said this before. My, my mom died of cancer when she was 46. Now, here's the reality. When, when this, this whole why question, like why does God allow this, why does God allow that, here's what I know. If God stood before me right now and, and said, Lee, here's why that happened, would that make me feel better? No. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me why it happened, the fact that it happened. And do I trust God that God knows what he's doing in that situation? And so through that time in my mom's life as she was getting sick, one of the things that she made sure of was to go and tell everyone in her family about Jesus. My grandfather became a Christian through that time, and then he died two years later. Now, if you would have asked my mom, hey, be willing to do whatever it took for your father to become a Christian. She would have said yes without blinking. All of these things are happening for a reason, and it is for God to be glorified and to be honored through, what the, through the work of Christ and what he has done. That's what all of this is for. 
And so what we do is we come like the people in Galilee. Are, we don't want to give Jesus our hearts. We, we want to give Jesus just, we want to see him do something cool, right? Like, oh, like, hey, I, I got the promotion. Praise God. Nobody's praising God when they get laid off from a job. But those things happen, and they are real. And it's still an opportunity for God to do something amazing in our lives. But what he is after is our hearts. He's after our hearts. Do you know why it's easier to see the signs in the miracles than to accept Jesus as Messiah? Because think about it. What is required of you to see the signs and miracles? Nothing. You just have to stand there. What is required of you to follow Jesus? It is costly. We need to understand that. There is a cost to following Jesus. Now, if we could... If we could <laughs> If we could stand back the way God does, right, and kind of see time and the way things work out, we would gladly follow Jesus knowing that it's always going to be worth it. But we get so caught up in ourselves. We get so caught up in ourselves and what we're doing from the day to day that we don't understand that the cost of following Jesus is greater than anything that's going to happen. The reward for that is greater than anything we could even fathom. And that's why so many people would rather see the signs and wonders than accept Jesus as the Savior of the world because it requires something of us. Not the, not, not the salvation, but the faith. If, we, if our faith, if our true faith and honor, we're honoring Jesus with our lives, that costs us something because we have to now live in such a way that is different from the rest of the world. We, we would want to, listen, if there's nothing different about the way that we live compared to everybody else in the world, then why would other people want Jesus? Why would they want to give up things, right? For, for us, we think about what's, what's costly with that. For some of us, that, that has caused friendships. It's caused discord in our family, especially for, for those of us that, that maybe don't have a lot of other believers in our family. Those things are hard. And what has Jesus called you to do? To take up your cross daily and follow him. Right? So, so in that, what we see, it is, it is no longer about what I want. It is no longer, hey, what are the things I want in life? And I'm going to put those first and foremost. And then if I have time for Jesus, we'll see what happens. That's not faith that honors Jesus. That's the kind of faith that just wants to get something. And so in reality, that's not Real faith. That's not the faith that Jesus is looking for. So Jesus heals this man's son. And so we just kind of like, what, what we tend to do, we almost become, especially for those of us that have been in the church for so long, we kind of become too familiar with the work of Jesus. We're like, oh yeah, it's cool, Jesus healed somebody. Yeah, he does that a lot. And here's what we miss. Jesus was under no obligation to heal that man's son. None at all. The man had, at this point, the man has had no faith in Jesus. He's not concerned about Jesus saving him from his sins. He's concerned about his son. Jesus is not obligated to do anything for him. Now, please understand this part, because I feel like, especially in America, we get this confused. Jesus is under no obligation to do anything for you either. Please understand that. 
We feel so, we, we get so entitled as though we are owed something all the time by God. The, real, the reality is, the question when we ask, why does God heal some people and not others? The real question is, is why does he do that at all? Why does anybody get healed? Why is anybody offered salvation? Why does God open any of our eyes to see him for who he is? There's no good reason. Please understand, there is, no, there is nothing that I or you have done to deserve that. Jesus is not obligated to us in any way, shape, or fashion. And when we see that, we see the amazingly beautiful grace that he gives us. Every good thing in your life is a gift from him. There is nothing you've done to earn that. Not one thing. And so we miss that. So we, we miss that Jesus has shown this grace and we kind of like... We're, we're too familiar with this word grace as though it's something that just happens to come everywhere. The grace of Jesus overwhelms us. And that, is a re- that alone is the reason that we have salvation. The next thing that I want you to focus on is when it says um, in verse 50, Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Instantly. Jesus doesn't even have to be there. He just says, go, your son will live. The power that is within Jesus blows our mind. We cannot possibly understand that. And here's what's so amazing. Is he gives us the power to live in such a way that honors and glorifies him. On our own, we cannot do that. On our own, we're not capable of that. But through faith in Christ, the power that he gives us to live in a way where despite our circumstances being terrible that we can still point to Jesus and say, I have joy. I know that my eternity is secure. I know my life is secure. I know that everything here is perfect, but I know that Jesus has promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Guess what? Other people in your life are going to leave you or are going to forsake you. That's going to happen. People are going to die. Friendships are going to be severed. Those things happen. You're going to lose jobs. You're going to lose the influence you have. Those are guaranteed. It's also guaranteed that Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And so then our question is, what are we giving our hearts to? What are we giving our hearts to? If we give our hearts to Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything about our lives. It it comes to a situation where even if we, as the royal official, if we're in a situation where we're wanting healing for someone, we still pray that prayer. Right, like even, even someone who was a believer would still say, Jesus, please heal my son. But to understand that all these reasons happen in our lives are to glorify and honor God and are to have an impact that reaches far beyond anything we can see. So my question today is, are you more concerned with the signs and wonders, the, the good circumstances in your life? Are you more concerned with hearing the word of Jesus and living in such a way that truly honors and glorifies him for who he is. Because one of those, one of those will lead you to always having to change, always having to be in despair. Your whole life, if your life is focused on good circumstances, your whole life is geared towards what are the things I have to do to make this right? What are the things I have to do? It puts so much work on you. And guess what? You can't handle that. Neither can I. We're, we can't handle that. Or is your heart completely given to Jesus so that no matter what the circumstance is, 
you know that he's got you. That's the decision that we have to make, every one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you. I thank you for your word, God. I thank you for all the things you do for us. Lord, please help us to see the grace that you offer. Um, just almost in a new light, God, for those of us who are, who are just too familiar with that. Lord, help us to see that in a new light. God, help us to understand, Lord, that you are not obligated to us in any way, shape, or form. Lord, please rid us of this sense of entitlement that we have, those of us that are believers and, and who, who are thinking this way, God. Lord, I pray for those who have not placed their faith in you. Lord, I, I pray for their hearts, God. I pray that they will see the beauty of giving their hearts completely to you, Lord, knowing that you will never leave us, that you will never forsake us. Everything else in this life will, but you will not. Uh, there is such comfort in that, Lord, that allows joy even in the midst of terrible circumstances. Lord, help us to honor you for who you truly are. In your son's name I pray, amen.